Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Five Things, the podcast where we bring on my favorite funny people and we ask them five things. I'm your host, Rosh Abdullah. Five Things is presented by Bad Dog Theater. Bad Dog Theater is a Toronto comedy school and improv theater devoted to unscripted performance. They host classes and shows in person and online. Check out baddogtheater.com to get tickets or enroll in class today. Before we begin, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge that the land on which we gather is part of the treaty lands and territory of the Mississaugas of the Credit. Is also the traditional territory of the Haudenosaunee, Anishinaabe, and Huron-Wendat nations. This territory is subject to the Dish with One Spoon Treaty, a covenant between the Haudenosaunee and Anishinaabe. Five Things is a classic improv game we use it to get performers out of their head. It's a great warm-up. One performer will ask another to say five things from a category. Uh, let's start it off with our guest today. Our guest, comedian who's written for This Hour Has 22 Minutes, The Beaverton, and his readers digest one of 50 Canadian comedians to watch. It's Noor Hadidi. Welcome, Noor. Hello, Rosh. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. Are you ready for the warm-up? I'm scared, but I'm ready. Okay, why are you scared? Because I'm not an improviser. I'm a stand-up. I don't usually play this game. Well, you know what's so interesting is that I was I saw you recently. Uh, I watched you do. Um, I don't know if you were recording. I think you were recording your album, but I saw, saw your show, and I was so blown away by your crowd work. Like that's oh, improv. Thank you. Because I was thinking how that's something that I I do more improv than stand up, and I was like, man, I if and with stand up, I want to get better at just being able to talk. I don't feel comfortable enough to go on stage with no material, and I feel like you can do that. Ooh, um, it's a lot easier to do crowd work once you've won the audience over, right? It's like, it's almost a trick where like, I'm going to use, I'm going to go out for 10 minutes. I'm going to wow you with the stuff I've been working on for years. And then I'm going to talk to you. And anything I say after is just going to be, you know, at an elevated level. It's not like I'm starting from scratch or from zero. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just know that when stand-ups do crowd work, it's also like, you know, um, it's not, it is off the cuff, but also the format with which we do um, crowd work, it's within the, it, there's always the same questions. What's your name? What do you do? How do you guys know each other? And the more you do that, it's easier to quickly come up with things. Whereas with improv, you are literally given a word that you have to come up with a whole world from. So even though they're both kind of improvising, I think they're very different still. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I always felt like um, I was told people like for stand up, you don't have to be the funniest. You just have to people get people on your side. And so mm-hmm. I would always try to make sure because you have like less than three seconds to make someone like you off the bat. So it's like mm-hmm. you don't you don't have to say anything funny. They just have to be rooting for you. And uh, that was my that was my trick was to be charming. Oh, well, it works. 
<laughs> You're very charming. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Do, do you want to go out after this? I'll take you out for a nice linguine. Oh my God. Let's do it. Linguine. Let's do spaghettini. I feel like let's do it. it's an easier date um, pasta. You know, it's not as thick as the linguine. It's easier to, um, it's less embarrassing to shove in your mouth on a date. It's in and out. Yeah. I, someone actually recommended, they were like, I switched to spaghetti. What is it? Spaghetti? Spaghettini? Yeah, spaghettini. Spaghettini. They're like, I won't go back. I won't no. go back. <laughs> really that much of a difference, I guess. Okay, let's warm you up with five excuses. You tell me. This is your improv mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Five excuses when you need to get out of a dinner with your in-laws. Five excuses. Oh, my God. I booked a show that I completely forgot about. You guys, that's number one. Number two, oh my God, my IBS is really bad. I need to go home. I'm so sorry. This is so embarrassing. Believable too, because why would anyone lie about that? Exactly. You give them enough embarrassment that it's real. Yes. Okay. Number three, um, uh, you guys, um, my friend called and I uh, I have to go uh, help her um, with something. Oh, I need more. I need, need more. more. That was that was way too big. That sounded fake as. Okay. Okay. Can it be comedy related? Oh yeah, you could. Okay. Whatever you My want. My friend runs a show, and her headliner just canceled on her, and um, I'm I really have to go help her. She's done so much for me. I can't let her down. But this is wonderful. Thank you for dinner. I wish I didn't have to do this, but I really have to leave. Oh my God, go, go, do, do what you need to do. Okay. And also congrats, headliner. Thank I you assume so. that you're taking the position over the person who dropped out. I can be trusted to headline. Yes. Few people can be that my friend trusts to headline. I'm one of them, you Good. know? Yeah. Oh boy, number four. Oh, I got a call from my landlord and there's some sort of leak in my apartment and I have to go back and figure it out. I'm, I have. These are really good. You know, off the top of my head, I'm impressing myself. Okay, I have one more. Um, Oh, my friend needs, uh, my friend has to go to the hospital and she needs me to look after her dog. Um, Yeah, I thought that was a turn. I thought you were going to go check in on her, but you need to go and watch the dog. Yeah, there was a two parter. These are really high stakes. Like I'm, I, I would, I'm gonna get out of here, but I'm also worried for you. Like I would check in on you. I see. You're saying go low, be lower, be like, you guys no, are just I'm not, not saying, feeling well. No, so no, no. Do, there's no wrong. These are your excuses. I just like, you went for it. You were just like hospital leak and it could have been a gas leak. Those are, that's, I just, Those I like are it. Serious. Like you, that's what I mean. You're, you're out. Cause sometimes people can be like, oh, I, um, I don't know. Someone could say something and then someone's like, it's fine. Just leave it. Or like, don't worry about it. And you have to be like, okay, no. you gotta give them things that they can't argue with. You got to yeah. have a sense of urgency. That That's what you got me, the urgency. And you know what? The first one where you're like, I forgot I had a show. I thought you were telling me that right now. <laughs> yes. I fell for it. I got duped. Oh, I got God. swindled. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> Dreamyard swindler. Okay, great. Yeah, I'm warmed up. You warmed up? That yeah. was good. Yeah, thank you. Well, you can, these are, these questions you can answer honestly now. I mean, you don't have to, uh, but don't lie. Just tell me you don't want to answer it. Um, but you don't have to, uh, don't tell me you have a leak or you have a dog to go look after if you don't. At this okay. Point. Okay. okay. We've, we've built that. Tr- we're, we're at that <laughs> yeah. level now. Nora. Yeah. You know my excuses <laughs> now. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh no, I uh, forgot to go wash my hair. Okay. <laughs> Something I want to know about you is I feel 
so I watch you and I, I know we're two completely different people and not, and just because we're Middle Eastern, I don't feel like we're that can like, and, and I meet, you know, when you uh, go to a, I, like I went to Turkey and people are like, where are you from? And you're like, okay, I'm a little bit Turkish. And they're like, my friend, my friend, like my sister. Yeah. And you're like, okay, but yes, but also like, I don't actually know you. I don't want you to feel like I'm doing that to you. Okay. But like, sometimes I watch you and I was like, she just gets me. Aww. Like You're like, when I listen to like a, <laughs> a, like a 17 year old singer's full breakup album and as a 30 year old woman, and I'm like, she gets it. That's how I feel when I watch you. I was like, I don't have to explain anything to her. Her family is my family. She knows it. But what do you, what's something about you that you feel is misunderstood by people? Because I could be wrong. No, this is such an honor that you said that, honestly. Like, if I can relate to people in the audience, it's my number one thing. Like, honestly, thank you so much for that. Like, you don't even know what you've done. Um, I don't. (laughs) No. No idea. (laughs) What's something about you that you feel is misunderstood? Well, um, do you mean on stage, like in the context of how I'm perceived as a comedian? Yeah, or as a person. Because I've seen your shows uh, lately, too, and and with like Instagram, I obviously follow you and you talk, you do talk about mental health as well. Like, do you feel like that? And that's something that's hard, I think, to talk about. I don't, I do it with some people I'm really close with, but I I also don't want to be seen as like a sad person person which is not a bad oh, thing but there's yes, so much I the eye yeah no absolutely and it's hard for it not to seep over like I'll say something like okay we get it you're depressed and it's like oh I'm not saying that because I'm depressed but now that you know that about me I guess it's yeah when you reveal something really truthful and deep about yourself I guess people tend to hold on to that more than other things mm-hmm. um And, you know, not to say that there are times where I am depressed, but if someone says they're depressed, you know, don't bring it up all the time. Like they've found the courage to bring it up publicly. So, you know, just because I say it on stage doesn't mean you can assume that I'm depressed all the time. I guess that's a really good point. Do you feel like that's something that's misunderstood about you? Do you feel that from people or is that just because I said it and I don't, I hope I don't plant, I don't, I don't want to question your and I get that a lot of time. I'll be like, I'll be having a normal conversation. Be like, yeah, I'm kind of depressed this week. They're like, I know. I follow you on Twitter. And it's like. Oh, really? People say yeah, that. That's it's rude. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. And like. I know. I know. We and saw like, you cry into your breakfast bagel this morning. <laughs> yeah. Or you I, or like I see you tweet about it five times a day. And it's like, you know, social media and what I say on stage is like, it is who I am as a person. But if I'm having a one on one conversation, I wouldn't, I would like that to not be brought into what we're discussing. Especially when it comes to mental health, because just Mm -hmm. because I said it on stage, or I tweeted about it doesn't mean it's where I am right now. Yeah. And it doesn't mean the intensity is the same. No, I agree. I think it's totally like I also tweet things and then if I read it back later on I like will delete it if I am not in the right state of mind but it's more of like it's like two parts it's like one it's framed as a in it's in humor it's a joke so Mm -hmm. like even though it's a serious thing it's always with the first and foremost thing is like to make you laugh yes and then the second thing is kind of like a little bit of an awareness piece not to be like depression exists because like we all know that Mm -hmm. it's just um it's just like this is this is the truth, but it's not hardcore. Like I wouldn't be saying it if it was a, if it was too into if it was a problem, then I wouldn't be sharing this. 
100% and you know, writing jokes is how I process every single event and emotion in my life. It's cathartic. So why would I not joke about this when I joke about everything else? Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. but I think less people joke about it. So when I do, I guess it's more prevalent and people are like, we get it, you're depressed. But you know, I'm just sharing all the things that I'm feeling. Yeah. And I think sometimes people don't know. Sometimes people aren't comfortable with certain subject matter and they don't know whether to laugh or not just because they're uncomfortable. They don't mm -hmm. know if they're allowed to because they don't talk about those things. And so like I have tons of friends who I can joke about my mental health with and that's fine. But it's also like they know it at this point. But um, yeah, James Acaster, he has a great special called Cold Lasagna. Um, it's I rec it's one of my favorites and uh, it's Cold Lasagna 1999. I hate myself. But he does talk about mental health and he says, he's like, listen, I'm talking about this because I've processed, like I've, I've talked about it in therapy. I'm good. I wouldn't be, I guess some people do use the stage as therapy, which is not uncommon or unheard mm -hmm. of. Um, but I just agree that it's like, if you're bringing it on stage, like you've worked through it mm -hmm. to get, because the point is for me, what I'd like to see is like the jokes and in order to get like the, the heart of the jokes you got to like work through it. And you can see that you can see that with comedians who like are working through it IRL in real time or yeah. they've done the work. And then it's like this, this stuff is, um, this is the craft now, the quality is yes. there. And I always say in my jokes, like, I'm very honest. I say I'm in therapy. I've been in it for X amount of years. I do take medication. Like I am working on myself. <laughs> These are the funny jokes. Like you said, where after I've been through the event, I try to write a joke about it because yeah. it actually helps me get, you know, look back at a time in my life that was so hard. And it's like, if I can write a joke about it, then yeah. it makes me feel better about it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, it's like the, the main thing is again, it's for me, it's like, it's the, it's a joke. Like I'm not just like, I, you see people on Twitter, like just being like, I'm sad and there's nothing wrong with that. But I like the finding the funny in a situation. Cause like there's so one time I was in the back of an Uber and I was bawling my eyes out just like silently though just like really really crying uh really hard um and I had like my headphones in I was playing this I was leaning into the sad playing the sad music and as soon as I got out I, like I I was trying to be as quiet as I could but I for sure the driver like knew what was going on um probably like looked in the rear view mirror and saw it but didn't say anything and then I got out and I got an email notification that said I had my first five star rating oh so like that so dude I needed cute. that yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> this guy felt so bad for me like that's funny like in the moment hell no like that wasn't my thought maybe like a little bit of like that's jokes but like really you're going through something but you bet as hell I'm gonna tell that on stage or tweet about that or something I love that for you I love that's it too. so great oh <laughs> my god this guy has no idea what he's done no one ever does uh, yeah. every, every, but yeah, even that person who's like, we know you're depressed. Like these, the comments really yeah. do stay with yeah. us. Do you feel like if someone makes those kind of comments, then you, um, you're like, Ooh, I don't know if I should talk about this on stage. Abs not on stage, but on Twitter. I'm like, okay, I shared that, but I don't want it to be used against me. I don't want it to affect this human interaction we're having. So yeah, I do worry sometimes if I share too much on social, like when I tweet. Yeah. I will say I got, I got, I was in Twitter jail for a week. What? I know over something that I, you know what? It's, it was bullshit. I'll say that. Can we I swear on this podcast? Easy to get in Twitter jail nowadays. Like anyone except Donald Trump can get it in Twitter jail apparently. Exactly. But you know what? Like 
I took a week off and my mental health was so much better. I wasn't like thinking of jokes all day. I wasn't trying to turn everything into something. I actually liked it a lot. And I think I'm going to be taking more breaks from Twitter. Yeah, that's actually, that'd be super hard for you because you use, the comedy is your profession. So mm-hmm. Twitter is a tool for that as uh, like, for me, I don't, I, I can say I have Twitter, like I'll say it here and now knowing that no one's going to go on and fall, like no one's <laughs> actually gonna yeah. do it. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I don't do it. I do. I use, I started the account cause I would get high and then have these thoughts and had nowhere to put it Love and this. then, and oh it didn't keep a diary. So I would just tweet into the void and I still tweet into the void. I have like no followers. Aww. I follow one account. It's Medieval <laughs> Times Toronto. I wait for the coupon codes. They never send it. Um, so like Twitter is my, it's a weird like public diary, but knowing that no one's going to see it. But for you, you have like, so I don't think about the jokes. I'm not like all day being like, is this funny? Is this funny? Um, if it comes to me and I'm like, that's funny. Where do I put it? I'll put it on Twitter for myself because I'll like read back on it later on again when I was <laughs> high. But for you, you do use it to gain traction and to. But now. What happened was this week that I was off it, anytime I thought of something that I would tweet, I put it in a note. And then when I logged back on Twitter, I tweeted them, which I think is a lot healthier. Instead of like keeping up with how much everyone is tweeting. Right. And the pressure to like, you know, put stuff out there. It's like, no, just let it go. If you have an idea, that's great. But if not, it actually freed up a lot of my, you know, brain energy and space in my life and in my head. Yeah, actually. So um, I think I'm going to be taking and it's not good. It's not keep scrolling. It's just not. I think. Yeah, I've um, I've decided. Yeah, I I, that's how I use social media. And I'm still I'm trying. I want to get off of it completely, but I don't scroll. I'll I go like I'll go on Instagram, put my post out and then and then like disconnect Mm -hmm. and I like shut off the notifications and everything oh Um, me too I don't get notifications only if I get a message because sometimes people book me for shows yes it's like the way to communicate now it's like same with uh, Facebook I would delete Facebook if it wasn't for I know you can still have messenger but um like there's just some things that people use to to like to book you or something like that but yeah the no scroll and honestly these things are gonna I'm still surprised Twitter is I think. Not, yeah. Yeah. But I guess it's like certain people, like the people who start with it are the people who stay with it. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to take a little break and return with your guest, Noor Hadidi. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back with Noor Hadidi. Question two. These are, I'm like looking at these and I don't want you to think I picked these. These are very deep. Like, have you, have you, don't be scared. I just, I, like I said, I see you and like, you're so, so, so funny, but you're so real. I just like when people can be vulnerable, which I know is hard with stand up because like Brene Brown says, 
uh, like posting your Brazilian wax on Facebook isn't vulnerability just because you're like, you're being open doesn't mean you're being vulnerable. And like, I think it's a hard line for comedians because you, and you do it so well where you're telling, you're opening up and sharing about your life to strangers, but how do you do it in a way that's, you know, personable and not just sharing, um, which isn't my, it's not my question, but I do want to hear your thoughts. It's so funny you say that because stand-up is a way to feel vulnerable, to be vulnerable while feeling safe. I actually think a lot of stand-up comedians, it's like the stage and the lights and the mic creates distance that makes it safe to say whatever I want on stage. Interesting. Yeah. So if um, if you were to put me, I did one of those, you know, as a stand-up, I do shows literally anywhere I'm booked. I did a show in someone's living room and it felt too vulnerable, even though it was the exact same jokes. What was right. different was the room I was in. There was no mic. There was no stage. There was no lights. It was just me looking into people's eyeballs and it felt too real. It felt like there was not enough space between me and them to feel safe to share. Interesting. Too intimate. Yeah. Too intimate, absolutely. Whereas if you, whereas when you're used to the stage and all those elements, it allows you to say every anything you want under the guise of this is stand up comedy, this is art. Yeah, I will never see these people again. You know, if this doesn't go well, if I share something, they don't. You know, I don't have to see them ever again. So true. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, it's vulnerability, but with without the intimacy. Yes. Um, and you can always hide behind the just joking. Yeah. And the connection. Yeah. Yes. It's a way to feel seen. Absolutely. Wow. That's really interesting. That's something I've been having trouble with too, is intimacy. Um, cause I can be very open and very, very vulnerable, but I often very closed off emotionally. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't, I I don't know. (laughs) I didn't think so. And yeah, I don't know. Wow. That's that's interesting. I never thought, I never knew that intimacy and vulnerability could be separate. Yeah. I think that's what I'm starting to discover because I, it's like sex and intimacy too. I just assumed they like always went hand in hand. So I didn't think I had an intimacy issue, but because I'm very comfortable with sex, but I, I'm not very intimate. Could you break down for me, like, or anyone listening? What is the (laughs) difference between intimacy and vulnerability? Oh man, I'm not the vulnerable. I don't know. Watch a Brene Brown TED talk. I don't want to act like I know what I'm talking about because I something I'm finding that I have issues with. Okay. I can. I thought I can be intimate. I don't know. I think I just. Um, I'm starting to realize that anger is my go-to emotion. Uh, and I and I realize it's it's like I'm hurt, but I was only like I was. My, a Middle Eastern man raised me. So the only emotion I ever saw was anger. Yeah, that's and so I, that's funny. The only thing I ever knew that was appropriate <laughs> to express was like, I'm mad and I, and I blame someone for it. Yes. So now when I, when I like, I'll just, and I, I was like, man, I'm such a, cause I just noticed I was like sucking my teeth a lot. If like the bus was like, went by, I was out of service or like things. And I was like, why are these my go-to? I want to, like, I'm a pretty chill person, but why is it that I, and it was just like, oh, I'm hurt. Like these things mm. hurt me, but not the bus, but like, if so, like thing, I'll get mad at people rather than being like, Oh, that's okay. So, so I think I'm so, and yeah, it's like, I have an emotion. I, I was like, I'm so emotional. I'm so sensitive. What a, but like, yeah, to, by alone or like with a very, very select tiny group of people that I feel comfortable sharing that who know me, but mm-hmm. I, 
I don't know. I, but I still, it's weird. I am vulnerable. Like I do share like this conversation I feel is pretty intimate or pretty vulnerable. I have no problem sharing that. So I don't know. Really? This, you mean you? Do you know? I don't know. We like what this is the longest we've talked. I feel this is for- true. But you know what? I feel like kinship yes. with people in comedy, we're cut from the same cloth. Like we could have grown on two opposite sides of the world and we could barely have anything in common but the fact that we're both in comedy means like our dna or is the same like i don't know i I yeah yes and no because there's just some people that the cloth is just a different material altogether and i just so maybe Mm -hmm. not in the same cloth but like there's some i don't know this is too I I could talk about this forever. I'm still I, these are the things thoughts I have at the moment, and I would love to, I would love to chat with you outside of this to talk more about this because, like I said, I feel like we have such similar lived Life. experiences. Yeah. yeah, which I would I could go on forever because these are just things I'm discovering now. <laughs> but in ter- in terms of like that, like for me, I feel like I'm going through a transformational period. Have you ever had an intentional transformation period? Like you're like I'm working. I'm I want to work on this thing and I'm going to do the work and this is me suffering. Yes. Um, so um, I studied finance and I worked in finance and it's a very goal oriented life. I want to make this title by this year. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to get this certification. And when I started doing stand up. That was the only you know thought process I had. So I made a list of goals for myself in stand-up. And sure enough, after I ticked off each goal, I became really sad and depressed. And I was like, what's the point? Why am I still doing stand-up? I was really lost. And this was after I had written on a show. And, you know, my whole, all my 20s, I just wanted to write on a TV show. And it was a miserable experience. And when I got back, I was so depressed. And um, to work on myself, I took a break from stand-up comedy and I just worked on my depression and I worked on my life and I worked on my goals. And I was like, what do I want in life? What makes me happy? And it was really important because it was in that summer where I threw out that thought process, that's like that school of thought of goals. And I don't have any goals with comedy with the exception of to, uh, try to be a good comedian and to try to make people laugh and to try to write the best jokes I can, because those are things that are in my control. I can't decide if someone accepts me into a festival, if I have a good time in a writer's room, if I even get into a room, I can't control those things. So I have to let go of those things having an effect on my happiness. So that was in 20, what year was that? That was in 2019, I want to say. 2019, yeah. Oh, that's pretty recent. Oh, that was right before the pandemic hit. Okay, can I, yeah. I work with timelines. So you were, okay, are you still in finance? No, this was, I quit in 2017. Okay, so what, so how long were you doing finance for? Um, I did four years in Montreal and two in Toronto. And when did you start stand-up? In 2012 in Montreal. Okay, so you were still doing finance while you were doing um, 
stand up. It, it wasn't like yes. you were doing finance. You started stand up. You immediately quit finance. No, you can't. I mean, how am I going to pay rent? <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and you know, I come from a very, um, ach- high achieving family. And so quitting a day job for, to start an art form was just, even though I could have done it, no one was stopping me. Like my own, brain was stopping me it's not something that would be acceptable um I always used to be like okay if I get x y or z then I can quit my finance job because it means I'm on the road in comedy you know so I wanted to get some traction and you know I'm an immigrant I live by myself I can't move back home with my parents like I have to take care of myself right so if I quit my finance job how am I going to pay rent how am I going to eat like Toronto's a very expensive city so um what I did is I worked both at the same time up until the point where I just couldn't I literally couldn't and then I got an offer to write on a tv show and that's when I quit it was like the out that I needed right and is that the tv show that made you miserable or is that no okay that was not the one that made me miserable (laughs) so you said in the beginning you had goals that's really interesting because I had the same dream as you it was like if I was to be in a writer's room that would be and you have an idea you know as a young kid you're like this in my idea of it is going to be so fun and whatever. So it's so, it's so sad to hear. That's a fear, right? Is that like you get the thing you want and you're like, I'm not happy. This wasn't it because they talk all of your life about how it's like things don't make you happy. It's like experiences or, and so it's like you actually got the experience, but that didn't do it. But here's the thing. Um, who's to say when I was 24 and I got like, who's to say that the dream I made up when I was 24 was realistic. And I think um, I've been in really good rooms, not to say that writing is a nightmare. I think a room, a room is as good as its showrunner or the head writer. So it really depends on the person you're working for. And something I learned is that I had to separate writing from my standup. My standup is what brings me joy, what brings me happiness, what fulfills me creatively. Writing is a paid gig. Someone is paying me and hiring me for my joke writing abilities. I don't, it's not my job to write something I find funny. It's my job to give the show what they want. You know, that's a great philosophy. That's a, yeah, that's a, you're right. Yeah. So when I make money from a writer's room, the way I see it is this is funding my comedy, my stand-up comedy. This is letting me do comedy for the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, and you do stand up because you, like you said, it brings you joy and you had goals and you did achieve them. Um, so do you feel like now, so now you say you don't have goals. Is that because you've like achieved them or because you found that just like you, you were like, I do it for fun. I don't do it to hit this mark and this mark. Okay. So when I say it, like, I don't have goals, it's not like I'm not working hard, you know, (laughs) you work very hard. I'll um, like, you work very very hard. (laughs) Immigrant work ethic, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. You'll have like Um, four shows in a night and it'll be all all different locations. And I want to be like, girl, (laughs) you talk about your mental health. Let's start taking care of it again. No, I know, but you know what? And you're, t- I started to stand up in my 20s. And when you're in your 20s, you have a lot of energy, you do a lot yeah. of things. And now it's a lot easier. Like now I don't have a full time job anymore. I'm a stand up comedian. So I can sleep in a bit more. I can write. I can gear up for the night. I can save my energy. I don't see True. people during the day. So this is something my therapist told me when we see someone doing something else, we always assume that they're also doing what we do. And that's not true. Right. You know, so don't compare yourself to other people. That's something I learned the hard way because 
especially in comedy and in the arts and also in life. We are all on our own paths. We will all get it in different times and in different ways. There is no right way. There is no wrong way. There is just a way to keep going. You know, you just got to keep going. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, the reason I don't have those goals, it's not that I don't have like my goals were to get into this festival or, mm-hmm. um, you know, write for a show, get uh, like, you know what I mean? Things that were not in my control. And I would love to be in rooms and I would love to be in festivals, but the weight I give them is much less. The way I see it now, it's a paycheck. It's, um, you know, good experience. It's a good clip of me doing standup. Uh, you know, it's exciting. But the weight, the, the weight I used to give it was my value as a human being. And as a comedian, I'm only, I'm not valuable unless I get into a festival. I'm not valuable unless someone hires me for a room. And I separate those two. And I've been working on also separating my value as a person from me as a stand-up comedian. And that's taken a lot longer. So that is something that is really hard. But I think people who are drawn to comedy innately have a void to fill. Yeah. And we fill that void with laughter and acceptance from the audience. And what's great about being in therapy for four years straight is, you know, in the right now, like if I do well on stage, that's great. If I bomb on stage, who cares? It doesn't dictate my value as a human being. I can't, it used to be such a roller coaster. Like I can't live this way anymore where I feel terrible as a human being. If I do bad at my job, it's not a way to live, but it's because I wasn't taught how to love myself. It's because I grew up in a society, you know, as a woman in the 90s, if you weren't a stick thin model, you felt like you were ugly, you know, like we just were not this society doesn't teach us how to love ourselves. And it makes money off of it. Absolutely. So yeah, I yeah. think I, when I say that we have, I honestly feel like we live the same life. I, I feel everything you're saying. And I think it's hard to look at two women like us who are very confident, very okay, and like feel comfortable being ourselves. And it's like they, to see that they assume that we've had struggles with, with that kind of stuff, but like everything you're saying hits home so hard. And I love your outlook. Cause that's what I need more of my therapist during the pandemic. Cause the pandemic for me, I actually like quit my job and th- it was like, it was hard. Uh, you come out of you don't realize how hard something is until you come out of it but because I was like I don't know anyone who's died or I'm safe and I'm healthy <laughs> and things I was like I'm fine yeah. I'm fine and I was having like trouble with like internal stuff not externally mm. um but like internal stuff and besides I like ha- lived with my parents for a bit um which is difficult as an immigrant <laughs> like child but my therapist was like it's after talking through it she was like it sounds like you're a performer without an audience and I was like yes yeah like I have no idea how to know if like I'm a good person if I'm likable if anything if I don't have that external feedback exactly yeah like I derive everything of like at my worth if I'm funny that's how I that's how it's like I have friends because I'm funny people like me because I'm funny I'm good at work because I'm funny and it's like oh if I don't have that Am I good? I used to think that all the time because I was bullied in high school. And the only thing that changed is that I became funny. And I'm like, do people like me now only because I'm funny? And that's not true, Rush. It's not. Like, um, It's man. so hard to talk yourself. I, like, it's like, you know that. Like, I know that. I know that yeah. the reason that people but, in my life love me is because I'm de- like a good person to them mm-hmm. and, and share love and show them. But like, it's so if your one identity is like it was when I also I did an exchange in Turkey and there was this uh, 
language barrier that so I couldn't make jokes because it wasn't oh, I couldn't I couldn't be funny like I couldn't right. even try to so I I felt I was depressed like I was absolutely depressed because I had such an identity crisis of like I could only talk in terms of like this is what I want this yeah is what I, I, I couldn't you couldn't I could, charm people I couldn't do any of that I couldn't have a personality yeah um you know the best thing my therapist said is like you know let's say you're in a room with strangers and you're trying to make them laugh. Let's say they've all had a bad day, right? And you're not getting them to laugh. Why are you putting your worth and your happiness in their hands? These are just normal people who have had days of their own. And when she put it that way, it like really changed how I saw it of like, just, you know, what would happen is if I had a good show, it would be good. But if I had a bad show, then it would negate the good show. Mm. And she said, no, you achieved the good show. You are this good. Just because you had a bad show doesn't take away from the level of success that you have achieved, which was really good because then I started believing in myself more. And I was like, okay, I achieved this. I am this good. I had a bad day, but you know what? I still have this. I still made it to this that day. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think some things just come with like enough experience, like the way you talk. Sometimes it's like your outlook. I'm like, you, you've been through like you've done a million shows to get that. Same, like like now I'll it used to be that if I had a bad day it would give me a bad week you know when you start improv right. or something like that now you have a bad show and I remember the, when I started improv I had a coach who was like you can be upset if you have a bad show you could be upset for as long as the duration of the show was anything longer than that and you're like you're an idiot like you're wasting your own wow. time and that always stuck with me and yeah it's like a bad show is a bad show but I, I like when I have a bad show I'm like I know I'm funny like these people, like it sucks but, that these people who've seen me once in their whole life are like that girl wasn't that great. And like, that's fine. It's like, I know what I am, but it sounds great. like same thing with you. It's like, you've done it enough to have the confidence to be like, I'm a professional comedian. I, yeah. So do you then have, um, it's okay. You say that I know you don't, you said like, you don't have goals, but obviously you do have goals in comedy, but like, it's just not tied to my your goals worth. now. Yeah. My goals now are like to have an audience that comes out to see me. You know, people who enjoy my comedy to write, to have every album I put out be better than the one before. Things that I can control that I know will contribute to my quality of life. I love that. That's such mm -hmm. a great outlook. My, I had a question for you, but you kind of answered it where I was going to ask, like, um, if you had when you were working towards where you are now which very successful very I, I just love you do things because you're like this makes me happy it's not like I want to be on this talk show or I want to make this much you're like you do a show the thing you said of people are coming out to see me that's I think that's I also agree that's the dream of being a comedian people are paying mm -hmm. to see you mm -hmm. um so I was gonna ask if you ever had a time where you were you thought about quitting the industry but it sounds like many yeah, and that wasn't the first time. Um, when I moved from Montreal to Toronto, I bombed a show so hard, I genuinely thought of quitting comedy. I bombed so bad. This was in 2015, like August or September 2015, I was going to quit. It was so bad. Can you even call yourself a comedian if you haven't bombed a show where you were like, that's it for me? But let me tell you why, because... In Montreal, I had been doing stand-up for three years and I was friends with everyone on the scene and I was known. Mm -hmm. And Toronto was is very clicky and there's so yeah. many more comedians and so many more stages that I felt like I was lost and I didn't know anyone. And I had finally booked myself on this show that was like, 
a milestone and I wanted to do good. And I finally wanted to prove to these people in Toronto who didn't know me that I was funny. And then when I bombed, it was like, oh, this just felt hopeless. Yeah. You know? It fucking sucks. Yeah. Have you ever done a show in front of a crush or like someone you liked and bombed? Yes. (laughs) I feel like that's the worst. That's actually the worst. Yeah. Yes. That's the worst feeling. Because I want to control how they see me, you know, I want to control their image of me. And if I can't, it's, um, that's so really daunting. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is that we have no idea how they see us. Like, even Mm -hmm. though we're like, uh, curating it in some sort of sense, like that could not be the way that what they're picking up at all. For sure. And you have no idea how people see you. It's how do you think people see you? Oh God, I don't know. (laughs) I really don't know. How would you like people to see you? I'd like people to see me as um, a funny and truthful and kind person. I think those are three values that are very important to me. Um, That's what I get when I... Yeah. See you on wow. stage or talk thank to you. you. Wow. Thank you. And I, I only paid you $50 to say that. So <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah. Only, only truthful, not kind. So that's an extra 20. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so how do you incorporate your lived experiences into the work that you do? Oh, I mean, my standup is a diary. Anything that happens to me, as horrible as it is, I'm like, well, at least this is going to be five minutes in a few months. You know, it's going to be a tight five. So everything I've lived, truly, my whole life is my work. Like my work is my life and my life is my work. You can't separate the two. Do you find sometimes that you will do things then for the story or for the bit? Maybe like lean into if something's not kind of like this like is it hard then with boundaries or whatever because you're kind of like okay this is bad but this will be a funny story no I've learned not to do that I just live life Uh, you maybe when I was younger but I believe in myself as a joke writer now that I will find stuff to write about and I will write Mm -hmm. so I don't have to do anything for the sake of the act right like I mean if you're already sort of like in something like maybe it's like a bad date or whatever and you're like, I want to leave, but oh, I'll stay to, to no, tell my no, 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 no. I get out of there. No, 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 no. Life is too <laughs> short. Are you kidding me? No. I I definitely did that when I was younger. Uh, that but that's like a boundary thing, right? That's like that. That's, that stuff is hard. Mm-hmm. But I like what you said. You're like, I'm a good storyteller. Like I will find something. Yeah, you got to believe in yourself. And that hell gig, that writers room, as hard as it was, it was writing boot camp. Like. Um, I had never been in a situation where people were like, okay, we need 10 jokes on this topic in 30 minutes. Well, before that, you know, I had only written about things that happened in my life. I don't find this topic funny. How the hell am I going to write 10 jokes in 30 minutes? So it was a really good boot camp, you know, um, yeah. to getting me where, to where I am right now as a writer. Sounds like political stuff. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> what's something about uh what's something adult Noor yeah. has done that little Noor would be so stoked about? It's just so happy. Like good for you. I'm uh-huh. so proud of you. Alyssa Milano from um what's that show about Charmed. which is Charmed follows me on Twitter. Shut up. 
Yeah. Did you, what was the tweet that got her? I had tweeted on behalf, you know, Tignataro lets other comedians tweet for her. So I did that once and one of the tweets went viral. And so underneath it, I said, oh, follow me. I'm tweeting for Tig today. And so she did. Nice. Do you remember the tweet? Yeah. It said, here's an idea. Uh, Men's rights, but for women. That's great. Thank That's you. a follow. I'll follow. I have one follow out and I save it for Medieval Times Toronto. Me and Medieval Times. Baby. Yeah, I'll get the two. Yeah. I'll start tweeting out some coupons for you just to keep you engaged. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You take over. Hey, take over Medieval Times. I honestly think you might get a lot of more followers if you took over their account. I would love to. Not because more people follow them, but more people are just waiting for them to tweet something. We're all waiting on those two coupon codes. It's so funny. Uh, thank you. Those are all the questions I have. Oh, really? Okay. That I know. Was quick. I know. It's, it feels quick. But thanks so much for Noor Hadidi. Uh, oh, do you have anything to plug? Oh, follow me at Noor Hadidi. You'd like? Yeah, great tweets. Thanks again to Noor, and thanks to the Sonar Network and Bad Dog Comedy Theater. Your support makes a difference, and you can donate today by going to baddogtheater.com. Five Things is produced by Victoria Kucher, and we couldn't do it without our tech, Sean Murray, amazing. And of course, I'm your host, Rosh Abdullah. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.